Um, so this is part two of Vision Sunday, but I just thought I'd teach something very simple, uh, something that actually I think that if we get an idea of, um, of this, of what I'm about to share with you, then discipleship will become real easy. So I think too often we look at this whole idea of discipleship and following Jesus. We wonder where Jesus is going at times, right? Anyone ever wondered that? Where is Jesus actually going and how am I to follow, follow Him? Because I don't know where He's going and I don't know what He's up to, right? A lot of times that's, that's true. And uh, so I want to just share with you this particular message. Very simple, very straightforward, but yet the, probably the most powerful message you'll hear uh, today anyway in regards to discipleship. And it's found in Colossians chapter one and begins at verse 26. I'm gonna to read to you out of the message, the Bible, the message Bible. Uh, it's not that the message Bible is any better. It's just that it says things a little bit differently and maybe some, for some a little bit clearer. Uh, and so it starts by saying this, this mystery, Paul's writing to the church in, Coloss- in, in Colossae. He's writing to the Colossian people. He says, this mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know His rich, this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple and that is the substance of our message. What is the message? Christ is in you. This is a biggie. Because when you get to understand that, then you get to understand that you're not following something that's out there. You're following someone who's already, that you've given your life to, who is now residing within you. So when you are looking at following Him, you are actually hearing Him, feeling Him, sensing Him, and knowing that He's actually there with you. It's a powerful, powerful uh, moment in life when you actually get to realise it's not about where He might be out there somewhere, but actually understanding He's right here, right now with you. I love what Tim said in that video. He said, God enters our lives and we become like Him. I mean, Tim didn't say it. The Bible, you know, Jesus said it. Uh, uh, You know, He enters our lives and we become like Him. So true. But there's this crazy theology out there and it's world known, worldwide renowned uh, that says that we have to do something, we have to go somewhere, we have to get someone's hand laid on us. We've got to get something from God somewhere at an event, uh, sharing a special moment in order to get God to bless us, to anoint us, to give us a a breakthrough or to uh, get us through a, a crisis. Well, we've got to understand something, that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that He comes and He lives within you. In fact, He makes His home in you. Kind of cool, isn't it, when you think about that? Whatever promise is attached to an external gesture or behaviour that we are asked to do, it's living in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. Okay? So when you are trying to do something to get God's approval, And to get God's favour on your life, you are now living Old Testament, not New Testament. 
In the Old Testament, God did not live in people. He lived with people. Two different words. He, lived, he didn't live in people, He lived with people. And the whole Jewish way to God was that God was outside of us. So we access God by a wide range or a whole range of rituals, traditions, observances, uh, religious acts, special days, special feasts, and so on and so on, and hope that God is pleased with us. That's how the church in the Old Testament engaged God. In fact, they couldn't approach God through, um, but through the priest. The only way they could approach God was through priests. They couldn't approach God themselves. It had to be someone external to them. The priests were the ones who spoke to God and represented the people to God. And every year they would offer a sin offering to God via the priest. And the priest would go in and, and the people would wait outside uh, hoping that he would come out again because if he did, then God was pleased for another year. But if he didn't, then God, they knew God wasn't pleased. And what they used to do was tie a piece of rope around the ankle. So he'd walk in with this rope around the ankle and then they'd kind of like, you know, if he didn't come out after a little bit of time, uh, they'd pull him out with the rope because they knew that God wasn't all that happy, right? Uh, and so he'd been struck down. And so... Uh, that's the way it kind of was in those days. And day in and day out, the Israelites were making sacrifices to God all the time, sacrifices of lambs and, and, uh, and, and doves and bulls. And, and everybody had to access God by doing things that, uh, that He demanded because God didn't live in people, He lived with the people. Even today, some preachers come across like Old Testament priests keeping God's people that are free, that are liberated from an old covenant and are now under a new covenant, which is far, far better, right? The Bible says, but they, meaning the modern day priests, they take us back and they put us under an old covenant where we still believe we have to access God by external things. See, in my growing years, when I was growing up in the church, uh, I had this kind of thing that if I didn't read my Bible and if I didn't pray every morning, that I wouldn't be close to God and God wouldn't be close to me. I felt like I had to do things to get God's favour. In fact, I even felt I had to do things to get the victory for the day. You know, the uh, kind of feeling like, well, I want the blessing of God on my life, so I'm going to have to do these certain things. I didn't realise I was already blessed. I didn't realise I already had the favour of God on my life. And out of that, I want to read. Out of that, I want to pray. Out of that, I want to study. But not to get something. But our human nature is so drawn towards, whether it's something we've learned in our childhood or what, I don't know, that when we do good things, we get good things from our parents or something. Maybe, maybe that's what part of the problem is. Um, when we do bad, we... we get bad things from our parents like smacks. Some of you don't know what a smack is. Maybe I should show you. <laughs> Just joking, I'd get put in jail if I did that, wouldn't I? But we ha some of us have grown up with this idea of what's good and what's bad, and when we do good, then we're all good. When we're bad, we're all, we're all bad. But in actual fact, God loves you even though you might be good or bad. 
I know it's a hard one to understand, but even in your badness, God still loves you. It doesn't change. Um, and I'm pretty sure your parents still loved you as well, even when you were bad. But, but sometimes as a child, you don't see that and you don't figure that. And so what happens is we give our life to Christ and we want to do good. We just want to do good. But too often we get the good and mixed up with uh, getting God's blessing on our life. And that's where we kind of get a little bit skewed in our faith because we don't actually have to do things to get God's favour on our life. You already have God's favour on your life. Like this, if you get this, this will radically change your life. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Um, you know, if, if I didn't get up early in the morning and pray, um, I, I kind of felt like I wouldn't get God's blessing for the day. It's just not biblical. The reason why I know this is because uh, any sense of lack of victory or anything like that is not, not true. Like if I'm not getting the victory for the day because I didn't read the word, it's un- that's, that's a lie of the devil. Um, by the way, the victory has already been won anyway. It was won 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross for us. So we're already living from blessing and from favour. We're already living from victory. We're not living to favour, to blessing. We're not trying to aim for that. We actually already have that. And you imagine what that, what that feels like when you understand that, what it feels like to walk with God uh, and, and, to, when you, and your walk with God to know that you're already blessed and you're already favoured. The things aren't going right, I'm still blessed, I'm still favoured. Things aren't going all that brilliantly for me, but I know God loves me. God loves you and you are blessed and you are favoured. And he's got a great plan for your life, absolutely, totally. So follow him. But Brent, how do I follow him when he feels like so far away? He's not far away. He's with you. He's in you. I mean, it's it's a crazy thing. It's great, but it's crazy, isn't it? You know, this idea of, Pound out a hundred bucks and getting some holy water from Jerusalem by some preacher, right? <laughs> you know, and then thinking that that's more blessed than more blessed than or more anointed than than what you already have in, or who you already have inside of you. Uh, it's crazy thinking. And uh, you know, God is not external. God is internal. God is everywhere. God is both external and internal. He is. Uh, he is everywhere. And it's uh, the decision of, will I live in the Old Testament or will I live in the New Testament? All right? So in the New Testament, I now come to live in you. In the Old Testament, I live with you. And too many of us are living with Christ. We're living with him. Bit of an attachment. Where actual fact, he's in you. He is in you. And that changes things. God can fill you, but you cannot contain him. He is everywhere. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. Amazing to think that God is everywhere and within me at the same time, right? It's like the air that we breathe. The air is outside of us. We can't see it, but it is outside, but it's also inside because you're still alive. You're still kicking. So that's a good thing, right? It's the same thing with God. He is both external and internal. In the Old Testament, let's, uh, let's have a look at this. This is a, a, a glass. It's just pure water. Just checking. <laughs> this glass here is probably really represents 
represents the Old Testament. The glass is where God lived. Let's say God is the water and the glass is where God lived. And so in the Old Testament, you had the Israelites walking through the wilderness and they would see God from a distance and they would uh, come near to God and God would come near to them, but he was external to them. He lived with them, but not in them. And so we have this glass. He was put to the Israelites going through the wilderness. Who was he represented? What was he represented as? A, at night time, it was a a pillar of fire, and during the day it was a, a cloud, right? Okay, and then moved on, uh, Solomon just, uh, builds this incredible temple and uh, the, Ark, the, the Ark of the Covenant, we could say that the glass is the Ark of the Covenant, God lives in the Ark of the Covenant. And so they would, it would be a physical place and they would come around and they would worship God at this particular place. Even the Jews still today believe that God is in Jerusalem somewhere, in the temple, tabernacle, you know, that, that's where He is or that's where He resides. And so uh, uh, in, in, in the uh, Old Testament with the Pharisees and all of that, and even the New Testament, they believed that there was the tabernacle or the temple where God reside, res, resided, resided not resigned, resided. He did resign. Good news for all of us. He did resign from that. Um, and so this is really ultimately what the Old Testament was like. Now let me show you what the New Testament is like. <laughs> I filled that glass up too full. <laughs> That is way too much. <laughs> so where is he now? Where is he now? Oh. Come on, this will change your life forever. Too often we think we've got to go somewhere, be somewhere, do something to get to God and yet here he now resides where? He resides in you and I. He resides in us. Give my life to Jesus Christ. I make him Lord and Saviour of my life. What happens? He comes and makes his home with us. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So if you feel like you need to hang around a particular place where there's a revival going on or you need a special hand laid on you, oh, that's okay, but don't get into the trap of, if you don't, your kids, will, your kids won't be safe or, or you're gonna get sick or you're gonna go broke because you, you, know, you didn't send that 100 bucks off for, that, for those 44 blessings or whatever. That's not New Testament Christianity. It's not New Testament Christianity. And we need to get free from that. Now I'm exaggerating a little bit with those examples, but there are a lot of examples that you could probably think of in your own life where you've tried to get God's attention and to get God's favour. Even when we used to sing songs, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Very Old Testament. Because there ain't no courts. There's actually no gates. When Jesus died on the cross for us, the veil was torn, which gave us what? Immediate access into the presence of God. 
boom, I'm there. Presence of God. I'm not trying to get His presence. I'm not coming to church to try and get His presence. I already have His presence. The reason why God is here today is because you're here. Because you carry His presence. Have you ever been in this building when nobody's in here? I have. It's flippin' scary. (laughs) It's dark. It's lonely. It's horrible. Turn the lights on. It's a little bit better, but you're still there on your own and it's a big building. And, uh, you know, we kind of, we kind of want to get this. I mean, look, the worship was awesome this morning. There's no doubt about it. And what we're trying to do and all we've been trying to do for years and years and years, because people look at us and go, oh, great performance, great performance. Wow, yeah, great concert. It's not. It's not what it's meant to be. What we're trying to create is a place for you to connect with God. And that's what we're trying to do. When you have off-key, out-of-tune music and musicians, it can make you run from God faster than running to God. And so we want to create environments that enable you to be encouraged to actually reach out to Him. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Well, where are you drawing? Where where are you drawing? Because He's right here. He's here, here right now. And He's wanting to work in and through you. Look, even if you feel so far away from God right now, He is so close to you. He is so close to you. And it's just a simple reach out. It's a simple invitation. It's a simple, God, I really kind of feel like I need to get to know you. God, I really kind of, I I, I guess I need more in my life. I need more of, I need more life in my life. I need something of you, God, in my life because I can't do this on my own. What happens? There ain't no gates. There's no courts. You're there. You're there. Oh yeah, but Brian, what about all the guilt and all the shame that I feel? We know God is a God who takes your guilt and He takes your shame. He puts it at the cross. He died for it 2,000 years ago. This is a great, this is a great story. This is a great promise. This is a great truth of God's Word that He's already paid the price for it. And all He wants you to draw near to Him. That's all I got to do. Draw near, draw near, draw every single day. Draw near. Draw near. And too often we draw away from rather than near to because of guilt, shame, condemnation. I don't feel like God's with me. I don't feel, I I feel like I'm a bit of a worm myself. I feel like, you know, that I I just can't really do, uh, be the, be the, be the God person that God wants me to be. Well, toughen up. Well, what do you mean toughen up, Brent? Because that's not very good counselling. It just simply means to understand and to realise who you have and who, and who you have then helps you to toughen up. Get some joy in your life, which gives you strength in your life. The joy of the Lord will be your what? Will be your strength. 
and that then He then empowers you to do life the way that He would like you to do life. So God is not external to us. He is now internal. He is in us. So the presence of God arrived when you arrived. When you arrived here this morning, presence of God arrived. (laughs) You can't enter His presence because if you enter His presence, it means you can leave His presence. And theologically, that's impossible to leave God's presence. God is everywhere. By the way, the worst thing about hell is that what they, what they say, whoever they are. <laughs> the worst thing about hell is the fact that there is no presence of God. See, we don't know what it is to be without the presence of God. We've never experienced it. Even before we were born, He knew us. We've never been away from the, out of the presence of God. And when we get to heaven, of course, it's going to be with Him forever, for eternity. But there is a place where there is no presence and that's hell. And you don't want to go there. That's not the place for you. It wasn't created for people. It was created for the devil. That's it. So, you cannot teach from New Testament that you have to do external things to get God's blessing to get His anointing, or even to get His presence. You cannot teach it from the New Testament. You've got to delve into the Old Testament. So why would you keep going out to get something you already got? Why cross the world to pursue something that is with you all the time, 24-7? Christ is in you. He ain't getting around to being in you. He ain't put a deposit and keeping the rest for later. When He saved you, He moved in totally and fully. John chapter 14, verse 23, here it is. I don't think I've got it on the screen, but here it is. Anyone who loves me, my father will love him or her. And we will come and make our home in them. We will come and make our home in them. The word home in the dictionary is where one live, means where one lives permanently. Where one lives permanently. A place where one flourishes. A finishing point in a race or a game. The place where a player is free from attack, you know, home base, home. We are God's home. We are not His hotel, nor are we His timeshare. We are not His rental property, nor His holiday home. We are God's home. We try to persuade Him to live in us by doing external things and He is already home in you. How many of you have a home? We kind of have a home at the moment. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Uh, how many of you have a place you call home? So how many of you need GPS to find your home? Well, you know where you live, right? So God is not trying to find His way to you by you passing a tick list of things that others tell you you should get do to get God to bless you, to help you, to be with you. You don't need GPS to find your home and God doesn't need GPS to find you. How many of you leave your home every night and sleep somewhere else? That'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? But some of us are doing that when we do external things to try to get God to bless us or favour us or to get us to give us or to, to get us the breakthrough. How many of you pay an entrance fee to your home? 
then why are you paying that $100 for your 44 blessings? If that is already your home, that's like paying an entrance fee to go into your own house. True. Jesus said, I paid to live in you 2,000 years ago and it cost me more than $44. It cost me more than $100. Some Christians would hate this message because they like it the old-fashioned way. It's called striving. It is too simple to let go of those things we've actually relied on to make us feel good about ourselves, to make us feel self-righteous because the most rule-keeping people in the world were the Pharisees and yet Jesus said to them, you're a bunch of whitewashed graves. You look good on the outside, but you are rotten on the in. And God is not interested in the outside. He's interested on the inside. And if God can get the inside right, then He can get the rest right. I said, if God can get the inside of you right, then He can get the rest of it right. I have come to live in people. I have come to make you my home. How many of you need permission to get into your house or need to break into your home? It's your home, right? You don't need, that doesn't happen. The Old Testament forever will try to get you to access your own home. In Hebrews where it says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you has nothing to do with the external. It's everything to do with internal. Where is he? Where are you drawing near to? Is he over in the corner over there? Absolutely not. Is he up on the stage here? Absolutely not. I mean, he is, but you know, he's not. You know what I mean? Like, he's everywhere, right? Where are you drawing near to? It is nonsense if you think it's a physical drawing near. Drawing near to God is what you do in your heart, in your mind, and in your affections. I'm tuning into God right now who is ever present here in me. So when you walk out of this room, God is with you. He's not just with you, He's in you. (laughs) That's powerful when you think about it because everything of God is in you. doesn't mean that you're a little God or you're a God. Like some people kind of get this idea that now that I'm a God, now I'm a God and becomes our own, own religion. No, God is in you, which means that you now have access to a God who loves you, to a God who cares for you, who wants to do good things in your life. You have access to Him and you don't have to drum it up. So when when we're talking about discipleship, there is discipleship going on because the Spirit is in you. So discipleship is, hey Brent, I, I, I I need to show you something. I need to whisper something to you. I need you to listen to me. I need you to hear what I want to say right now. And often we don't want to hear it. And discipleship comes into play where, uh, constantly because we're wanting to hear the inner voice. We're wanting to hear, what God, where are you going? What are you doing? Am I following you? There's, there's that kind of dynamic of what is it that God is trying to show me right now that I'm being obedient in or even disobedient in because that's discipleship. And so we get people around us to help us with discipleship. Yeah, some people have been blessed with that, like coaches and mentors and supervisors and and, and people like that. But to be honest, they don't really know what's going on fully inside of you. They don't know really the struggles. You might have told them, you might have said something to them, but they're not walking in your shoes, but somebody is. 
and it's Christ. And if he's real, what does that mean? If he's listening, what does that mean? What does it mean for you? Where's he trying to take you? What's he trying to do in your life? What's he trying to say to you? What's he trying to speak? What's he trying to, for some of you, he may simply be comforting you. For others of you, there may be a bit of a kick in the pants, you know, like in love. Smacking's not legal, but God, we know that every now and then we get a bit of a, you know, an adjustment from him because we need it and that's discipleship. So you're a disciple of Christ. If you've given your life to him, you're a disciple of Christ. And by the way, you know, it's, I think too often things happen in our life and we feel like God is far away from us. But to be honest, he's probably closest to us right now. He's probably closest to you right now, even though you may not feel that or sense that. But he understands your pain and he's working, he's, he's, he's working within you to build you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to enlighten you, to help you. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. Cast your burdens upon him because he cares. Colossians chapter two, verse 16. So don't put up with anyone pressuring you in details of diet, worship services, or holy days. All those things are mere shadows cast before what was to come, the Old Testament. The substance is Christ. Don't tolerate people who try to run your life, ordering you to bow and scrape, insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek out visions. They're a lot of hot air, that's all they are. They're completely out of touch with the source of life, Christ, who puts us together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flow through us. He's in you. He is the head and we are the body. We can grow up healthy in God only as He nourishes us. So then, if with Christ, You've put all that pretentious and infantile religion behind you. Why do you let yourselves be bullied by it? Don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't go near this. Do you think things that are here today and gone tomorrow are worth that kind of attention? Such things sound impressive if said in a deep enough voice. They even give the illusion of being pious and humble and ascetic, but they're just another way of showing off, making yourselves look important. Galatians chapter three, the next chapter. You foolish Galatians. Paul was getting upset. He was, he was going hard. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law, observing the Old Testament, or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observed the law or because you have believed what you have heard? 
You are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are of Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians chapter four, next chapter. Three chapters of Galatians this morning, everybody. But when the time has fully come, or had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons and daughters. Because you are sons and daughters, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts and the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father, which is relationship, not God somewhere, He's got a big stick wanting to hit you around the head, but the Spirit's crying out, He is your Father, here is your Father, He is your Dad. That's who He is. And He's crying that out inside of you. So you're no longer a what? You are no longer a slave, but a son and a daughter. And since you are a son and a daughter, God has made you also an heir of His. Wow. You are a son and a daughter. And once that has taken place, nothing anyone can do can change that. Verse 8. Formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. <laughs> Paul, Paul. Okay, let's go. We're going to Galatians chapter five, five chapters, guys. It is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. If God has made His home in you, He is home in you. He doesn't suddenly check out because you went to sleep or there's something He doesn't like about you. And you think you gotta kind of like pray Him back in. Let go of the external stuff that people put on us. Lay it down and just rest in Him. I can't get any closer to Him than He already is. He is in me. Christ is in you. He's not around you. He is, but He's not. He's not about to come to you. He's already there. He's he's yours. He's in you. And your life, is about discovering what that really means. And that is discipleship. He is in you, let Him lead you. Following Jesus is following Christ who is in you. Three things to finish off with. Number one, believe what you've received. Believe what you have received, whom you have received. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Number two, Live and make choices like Christ is in you. And when you stuff up, get back. He's here. You you can walk into His presence with confidence and boldness because He's here. The presence of God is all around you. He's in you. In in any moment, you can, okay, God, I'm, I'm back on track. It's all good. Bad day yesterday, good day today. Awesome. God doesn't care. He loves you.
He wants, to, he wants you to be the best person you can be. And often that's admitting to our failings and moving on. You wanna be the best person you, want, you, you can be? Sometimes you gotta say sorry. Sometimes you gotta ask for forgiveness. And once you've done it, then you move on. And freedom comes again. Live and make choices like Christ is in you. Number three, embrace the power of Christ in you. Boy, this is a biggie. I could speak for hours on this. Embrace the power of Christ in you. There is a power in you. You now have a power. Well, I can't do it, Brent. It's too tough. No, you have a power in you. The Holy Spirit power to empower you and to enable you to be able to do and to be able to carry out all that God has put on your life. of God well, the power of God is available for you every single day not just the power of God to prophesy or to to have, have the the courage to pray for someone for healing yes you can do that but just to walk with Him every single day to be listening to Him to be talking with Him there's a power within you to be able to do that Christ who strengthens you. So how you doing? How's your walk going? If you were living with Christ like Christ was in you, would it change some things about you now? The realisation of who you have within you, does it change some things? Do you think, oh, yeah, maybe... There's some things I need today that actually helps me walk a little bit differently, a little bit bolder, maybe a little bit more courageous, maybe a little bit more forgiving, a little bit more understanding, a little bit more freer. I feel some of us are so bound up. When we get baptised, it's supposed to be in water, but some of us look like we've been baptised in lemon juice. That's an old one, but anyway, it's a goodie. I keep it. Uh, It's true. It's true. Are you living free? Are you living free? Are you free? I thank you for the freedom, God. Come, let's pray. I thank you for the freedom, God, that you give us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. For freedom. Not to be bound up by what man says or what somebody's trying to put around me. But it's the freedom of Christ to walk with Him every single day, hearing Him, hearing His voice, hearing Him say, this is the way, walk in it, knowing that He's right here, right in, right within me. And I thank You, Lord, that You are. I thank You. When I gave my life to Jesus, that was the moment Christ came into my heart. Christ came into my life. It's with every eye closed, every head bowed, Maybe you've never had that moment. I had that moment when I was very, very young. Never forgotten it. Found it hard to understand it at times, but continued to journey and continued to walk with Him. 
Maybe for you, you've never ever had that moment, never had that opportunity. Say, Jesus, I wanna walk with you. I want to give my life to you. I want you to come inside of me. I wanna drink, (laughs) I wanna drink from that water that gives life. Bible says that we reach out to Him. He reaches out to you. He comes and He dwells within you and He makes you His home. Do you need Him to be in your home? Do you need Him to be in your life? Just with every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to pray a prayer, a real simple prayer of salvation. Before I do that, I'm going to ask, is there anyone here saying, Brent, would you pray for me? I want God to be in my home. I want Him to be home home with me. You just raise your hand up real quick and I'll acknowledge it and I'll pray for you. God bless you over here. Anybody else? God bless you. That's awesome. Fantastic. I want God to be in my... God bless you over here. Fantastic. Um, Anybody else? I want God to be... God bless you. God bless you over here as well. God bless you down the back. Fantastic. Anybody else? I I need God home in my life. I need God home in my life. Yep, see your hand there. I need God at home in my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for your presence here. This is the presence of God is here. How do I know? Because He's here. He's in you. The presence of God is here. He's here. God is here. Changing hearts, changing lives. Today is your day, day of salvation, day of redemption. It's a new day. God's doing something in you. Doing something new. He's turning the lights on where the lights have been. He's, He's taking what's been dark in your life and bringing light, bringing life, and bringing freedom bringing joy, all the things that He carries because He's in you. He's a God of joy. He's in you. He's a God of life. He's in you. Father, I pray right now to prayer of salvation for these ones that are raising their hands to God and wanting to make that kind of decision. God, please come home. We know you don't need a GPS because you already you, you already know us. You already know where we, where, who we are. You already know our innermost thoughts and our innermost feelings, I pray right now, God, that you would come and you would enter into our lives. Come home, God. Come home, God. I need you. Come home, God. I need you. I need you. I need your help. I need your love. I need your freedom. Come home, God, I pray prayer like that will change your life forever. It will change your life forever. And I'm believing for lives to be changed right now. Those who responded this morning, just agreeing with me in prayer. God's home is now in you. God is here. He's here wanting to do a work in you. Thank you, Lord. You just begin to thank Him. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your work, your new work in my life. I 
thank you that you now reside in me. Help me to be a great disciple, a great follower of yours in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, everybody, just put our hands together. Let's give God some praise. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.